If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. I'm Marlea. <laughs> Hi, Courtney. Hi, y'all. <laughs> Hi, y'all. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers. We have our drinks. We do. We mm-hmm. have our camera. Mm-hmm. We're looking really professional today. Mm. I put on do makeup. Rags. Oh. Mm-hmm. Look at you. I did not. I sat in the sun outside on the deck and got burned today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, this drink looks professional. Mm. And beautiful. It does. Is it? Does it? I think it does. So. Marlea helped me. She's been in my house all afternoon. We had brunch today with some friends who are going to help watch the animals while I go away across the pond <laughs> to visit Scotland and Ireland. So you help with the juices, but you brought the watermelon, which gave me the inspiration. Yeah, I needed to bring the watermelon. My, uh, my say, children have been why. requiring me to have watermelon. What's the line, though? In the house. What? The line that goes with the watermelon. I carried a watermelon. Carried a watermelon. She says it all the time. I do say it all the time. I carried a watermelon. So she carried a watermelon to my I, house. And I, I did. Was like, I think we should do a drink with that because you know what today is. Well, what tomorrow is? Decoration. Today's decoration day for my dad in that cemetery in that church. But tomorrow's Memorial Day, which is the unofficial start of summer, but. It is the beginning of summer, so this is the It's Summer, y'all. It's the beginning of drunk summer. That's yes. the name of this drink. It's summer, y'all. It's summer, y'all. It's so summer, it's a y'all. watermelon margarita. I don't think I've done one, right? Have mm-hmm. I ever done a watermelon water? I don't think so. It was so easy to just take cubed up <laughs> watermelon chunks and put it in that Ninja, liquefy it, Cointreau, lime juice, and um, tequila. Yep, yeah, that that that's that the, stuff. That's the one. That's the one. The tequila part. <laughs> so yeah, it's. I think it's really mm. good. The the rim though, I did try to do a little bit different. I like because one of the last drinks that we had that had like the rim, I decided like maybe we have sugar in it. So this is a sugar, salt, and tahini. Right, can't mm. go wrong. And mm. I think it makes a little bit of a difference to have both the sugar and the salt with it. Oh, I just got a kick of something. Tahini. Sour, yeah. Oh, tahini. Mm-hmm. And the lime juice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I think it's good. I think it's good. It's delicious. Mine's almost. <laughs> I'm getting down to the part of the glass where it's smaller than the rest. So we you've should probably get a watermelon drunk this summer, though, and see what happens with that. I've done that before. Yeah. I have a kit. Put the whole yeah. I have a kit for it. In there, let it. It was a gift for a birthday gift. Watermelon from a friend who knows <laughs> me well. It comes with four <laughs> little little uh, little feet that you screw into the bottom to keep it, and it comes with a little oh. tap. Oh, so the tap in. keeps the seeds out and stuff, or do you get seedless? I don't remember. I don't think it's for seedless. I think it's for big, fat, fat, big watermelons. Those are all seeded always. Right. The, the big, really fat sweet ones. Are, ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This isn't that sweet to me. I think it's No, this though. one isn't that sweet. Mm-hmm. So it's very bright pink and lovely. So we have the photos of it and the videos. Yes. So enjoy. It doesn't take much. This is one of the easiest drinks I've made in a while. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it might be complicated, but it's not. It's the chopping of the watermelon, which I didn't have to do. So thanks. Yeah, I did that. No problem. 
and there's like YouTube videos or TikTok videos on how to do that easily. Mm, how to chop them? How Is it the kind that you do it like in, you keep it in the in the shell or the shell, the watermelon fine. shell? Yeah. Yeah, that's how I cut avocados too. Me too. Yeah. Just chunk it out. Welcome to our cooking show. <laughs> Welcome to the Strange South Cooking Show, oh, which we kind of have Patrice. been. We, we kind of have. Had, we haven't, haven't done, done Jello in, in a while. Maybe we'll try and get back to Jello this time. Yes, summer. it's my Jell-O, turn. Jello is a summer. We never got thing. to fish Jello. Gross. Well, you know it was on the menu always. It's that always been me. on. It's the menu. always been ahead of us. It's not been for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all do that while I'm gone. I'll go uh, ahead and give you full permission, please. Okay. I think I've said this before, but anytime you have. I'm gone, feel free to do whatever you like with Jello. <laughs> <laughs> However, you want to engage with Jello. Whatever you want your experience with Jello to be. Judgment free, but I don't want to be a part that's of it. That's not judgment free at all. Mm, no, that's full judgment. <laughs> judgment and exclusion. Yeah, exclude me. You do you. You do you all the way over there. When I'm in another country, you do you. <laughs> we drove Courtney to another country with our fish jello. We have to do it now. Pictures, but don't make me no smell of vision. I need to find me at the thrift store. Or some little fish-shaped mold because you know they have them because all those 60s yes. jello books have the fish-shaped mold that's what you make fish jello in it's like a requirement oh my god this watermelon <laughs> i know when it's been sitting in tequila for a minute mm-hmm. it's got a little Again, delish get a watermelon drunk see what happens oh my god. they're pretty funny when they're drunk <laughs> <laughs> you're already watermelon drunk toasting brunch today that's all Let's see. What else have we got going on? We uh, we have an apology to make for um, oh. there. Some of you may have experienced some sound yeah. issues with our last episode. I believe. Yeah, it would be our last episode right. that just released. 136. Uh, we're going to we've been trying to talk to our host about that. That was on a problem on their end. So right. we are hoping to just make sure that that doesn't happen again. And thank Correct. you for hanging in with us. And if, thank you for telling us. Always tell us. Yes. Of these things. Like if something weird or like there's a high pitch or we hear somebody go get out oh, in the middle. We need to know that. that. Also we, record it <laughs> yes. like on your own device and send it to <laughs> us again. <laughs> But yes, thank you um, for letting us know about it um, so that we can correct it because we want you to have a good listening event. Mm-hmm. And if there's things that are not doing it for you, that's, you know, let us know. Especially when those things are not us. When, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if they're us, just keep your opinion to yourself. Yeah. Mm. So it's good to know because I actually caught this one before anybody else did because I read the post mm-hmm. from our listener yeah. friend and we're not- like oh what's happening let me listen so i started listening when i was getting ready i was like it didn't happen for me so yeah. it didn't happen for everyone no it didn't mm-hmm. right Which, but thanks for hanging in because yeah, we don't always listen to ourselves we used to listen to ourselves more but now we, we don't it's life <laughs> yeah yeah the way yeah man yeah <laughs> life life um any more up front Probably, but nothing I can think of right now. Okay. If you guys have enjoyed the podcast over the time that you've listened to the podcast, one thing that we infrequently say is we would love it if you would go on to whatever platform you listen to us on and 
like, rate, reviews five stars. are spectacular. Yes, five stars. Only, please, please give us five stars. <laughs> um, and subscribe to make sure that you get all the new episodes that come out every week. And, you know, you may have noticed from last week, we have sort of a new format. So you can look forward to the B side of every episode the week after the full episode airs are like new semi mini. Right. So, um, yeah, just, you know, thanks for all your support. Thanks for being there with us all this time. Absolutely. And review, rate, share, 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 share. Oh, and I've been seeing uh, our T-shirt out in the wild and post. People have been tagging us in post. I'm like, somebody made like a really cute crop top oh, out cute. of um, the skull and crow shirt. Oh, amazing. And, and it looked amazing. And I was like, ah, oh. so I'm going to have to gather all those and like repost them. I did like a thanks or a little like on them but yes um, that's awesome yeah if you, if you wear the shirt out definitely tag us in it um or the shoes or, or if you shoes, decorate your home yeah. with the pillows or the we actually have tons of stuff some really cool um yes. mugs too some mm -hmm. really awesome designs uh patrice is a pretty awesome designer so she yeah, comes she up is. with stuff just constantly and just oh. throws it on up there yeah so I do. yeah and and I'm thinking about we just created uh, decals for our cars. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Chad saw those today and oh, really loved it. Oh, yeah. mine awesome. looks great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking I need. I don't have enough. Sorry, chop top. Don't have enough <laughs> contrast on mine. So I'm gonna do some white ones um, as well, so they'll have more contrast. But, awesome! Yay! So I definitely like you know drove my car proudly across state lines <laughs> to go to Mississippi <laughs> have a little country life and see all the wildlife um, from my grandparents' house. And I'll talk a little bit about this after my story today. Mm. And we will be right back. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get free swag, extras, exclusives, and a discount on merch. You can find links to all these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode. Strange South t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and other goodies. See you there. You know what it is? It's the watermelon with the lime juice on it. That's what you tasted, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. With the lime? I've Man, watermelon and lime are just... Oh. Isn't it good? It's almost like it got a salt flavor in it, but then you taste mm -hmm. it and you're like, it's not really salt. Well, so, you know, there's so many things growing out in my grandparents' place. Like, you know, those wild blackberry, blackberry. bushes that are like fucking everywhere. Uh, we also have like a huge two-story fig tree. Oh, my God. growing like right. And it got damaged from when it like went to like nine below kind of felt like here yeah you know when it really had when that hard froze yeah. when everything froze and about killed like the rosemary bush so yeah. it looked like it did kind of thing but it's coming back and but the problem was is like there was something else that grew straight up and then canopied on top oh, of it yeah. and it's elderberries oh no oh, way shit elderberries we need to make some elderberry juice so elderberries actually will grow naturally with fig trees. They're like a companion plant. Oh, I didn't However, know However, this elderberry was keeping the sunlight from the fig leaves. 
So we had to, and it was huge too. Mm. So I hated to do this, but we had to remove the um, elderberry bush from the fig tree. But there's other elderberry bushes on the property. So it's not like that we, you know, killed the only elderberry bush mm-hmm. um, on the thing, which I didn't know that they were like companion plants kind of yeah, deal. That's cool. So that was really cool. So I can't wait. Like we're going to have to go out there because we're going to be competing with like everything out there to eat them. Um, in order to get some good fig, because there ain't mm-hmm. nothing like a good fig preserve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I really like my figs. I didn't used God. to. But... Fig and goat cheese. Mm-hmm. Ah, let's do it. Yes. Oh my God, yes. I like figs. Figs are delish. And they do grow like gangbusters, man. They do. All right, y'all. It is my turn to tell a story. Yes, tell us a story. And <laughs> this doesn't really happen in the South. this is the strange not south (laughs) episode but i got there i was thinking about when this like came across my path and i was thinking like i was like i shouldn't do this like i i need to find like a more southern connection and i really never did but i just had this feeling like i need to talk about this and and it's something i can continue to talk about later on because it's a anyway i'll see hold on <laughs> I thought there was something in your eye. There is like, something in rub, my rub, eye. Rub, rub, I, <laughs> <laughs> I pushed my burp, uh, button. My eyeball. <laughs> I know I got like something in my eye, so I'm like I'm over here dying, y'all. No. Okay, so I am going to talk about the strange case of Charles Peck. Mm, okay, uh, Peck like P E C K. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Peck. Gre- like Gregory Peck, like Ellen Peck, like Ellen Peck. Yes. And this is this is kind of the connection for me because it was not until it was not until I moved to Jacksonville. Like Jacksonville is really the first place I've ever lived that has no trains. Mm. Like every single town that I've ever lived in, you could always hear a train whistle blowing multiple times a day. And this is the first town that's really kind of like weird because I'm always listening for it. And I don't hear it. But then when I go back home or I go somewhere and I hear the train whistle, it's just like, you know, it feels, I don't know. It just feels like, oh, yes, mm-hmm. here, here I yeah, am. Yeah, like when we were in New Orleans, you felt just fine in the yeah. because there's, mm-hmm. there's trains <laughs> all, by, like, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, we were near the train tracks. <laughs> right. And there's there's a lot of, of trains uh, around here, you know, like at Anniston, but not Gadsden. here. In Gadsden, but not in Jacksonville, because they tore up the trail, um, and we could have like the the tr- they tore up the rail for the trail here mm-hmm. that goes into Atlanta. Rails to trails. Yep, that's what I was trying to think of. A friend of mine used to work, and I may have mentioned this before, at a law office as a paralegal. When they entered there, I think when they were in college, but definitely after they graduated. And they stayed there a couple of years or two, and it was actually in Tuscaloosa. So they traveled from Columbus, Mississippi to Tuscaloosa, which is about 45 minutes every day to go there. And they had to stop because one of the things that they did was they would go out for claims, insurance claims to train crashes whenever uh, like you a train. Did. You told us about this when we talked about yeah. the um, goat, uh, public monster. Right. Yes. And, and, they only worked there a couple of years and they were just like, you will not believe how often a train hits a car, or how mm-hmm. often like this happens that doesn't really get reported. Mm-hmm. And of course, this it would get reported now because this was all pre social media, pre smartphones and, and all of that. So 
nowadays we definitely hear more about train crashes and everything. So the strange case of Charles Peck starts September 12, 2008. A Union Pacific freight train and a Metrolink commuter train collided head-on at the Chatsworth neighborhood in Los Angeles, California. It was roughly going like 83 miles per hour when they like hit head-on. There was 225 people commuting aboard the Metrolink, and the engineer sitting in the front of the Union Pacific train was killed instantly. And the freight train, actually the freight train was only carrying because it was, you know, it was freight. So it was not like a passenger train or anything like that. It was, it was carrying only three other crewmates, but it, the train became like completely demolished in the accident. The first responding officers described the wreck as a beyond human description kind of thing. 25 people ended up dying in this uh, accident, and it was the deadliest accident in the Metrolink's history. There was also like 135 injured during the time after the crash, and many of the survivors like remained hospitalized for an extended period of time. So it was like major injuries that happened. It's known as the Chatsworth, Chatsworth train crash. And the cause of it was because the Metrolink train ran through a red signal mm. before entering one of the single tracks where the opposing freight train had been given the right of way by the train dispatcher. And the NTSB, which I guess is the governing body mm-hmm. of all of that, blamed the Metrolink train's engineer, 46-year-old Robert M. Sanchez, for the collision because he was distracted texting mm. while on duty. And I'm pretty sure he was killed. But I don't. He was like the front of the passenger train. Right. The passenger train ran the red light. Right. Right. And yeah, because if you've ever ridden on the train, you know that you'll go to the side every so once, every off so often to let the other passenger train or another train go by Mm -hmm. if you don't have multiple rails. And usually there's only like one main rail. One of the passengers on that train was 49 year old Charles Peck. And he was considering, like, leaving his job at Salt Lake City International Airport for a job at Van Nuys uh, Airport in Los Angeles to be closer to his fiancée, uh, Andrea Katz. They were planning to get married, so, of course, they wanted to live at the same place. Andrea was actually on her way to pick him up from, like, the depot when she heard about the crash on the radio. And she was relieved when she got a call from his cell phone and she was like thank god mm-hmm. but she picked it up and the phone was only static hmm. so after the crash Peck's phone placed calls to his son his sister his brother and his stepmother there were 35 calls that were made in an 11 hour or 11 hours following the accident and the final call from Peck's phone came around 3 28 a.m in the morning one hour before his body was found. Huh. So they discovered his body, and because of the way the body was, they knew that he had died on impact. Huh. And the police also, they, they, they were able to find his body from the location of his cell phone, but they never found the cell phone. Hmm. And so many, many theories have, have gone, like, you know, maybe, like, his cell phone was broke Mm -hmm. you know and accidentally like butt dialed somebody like all of his emergency contacts and everything like that 
but the cell phone was never found within the wreckage. And what I'm going to talk about is phone calls from the dead. Oh. Ooh. And that's what took me down this. And I'm not going to cover a whole, like, in-depth of this, but I'm going to tell you a few stories that are interesting, and um, maybe we can carry on this conversation, you know, again. On the beats. On On the the B side. (laughs) Yeah, man. Listen up later for the B side. Mm. (laughs) I need to have like an after hours kind of soundtrack for the B side. Hold your headset. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So September 20th, 1988. Author Dean Koontz. What? Yeah, Dean Koontz. Dean Koontz. So, so Odd, Tom, Odd Thomas is like one of his most popular books. But he also wrote this book, y'all. And I, I tell everybody about it. It's called Intensity by Dean Koontz. And I read it in one sitting. And my heart rate <laughs> like did not go below 100 the whole entire time. Like my anxiety, extreme <clears throat> intensity of just reading like his whole premise of that book was he says like you know when you're writing a thriller you do not have to like have a lull in order to have a high and like, fuck, he is completely right because it is like you start off like right here and you go up and the intensity of like everything that's happening you do not like, breathe until like the final page of the book. Seldom Dang. Download it. I see it right here. Oh, <laughs> yes. Intensity. Oh my gosh. It is it is intense. <laughs> All right. Dead joke. <laughs> so when he was working in his office in 1988, he received a phone call and there was a distant voice of a woman that urged him to be careful. And it said it to him three times. And then it went quiet. And he's like, okay, that's really weird uh the voice kind of resembled his late mother but Mm. she had been dead for like a decade and so he's like it caused him to speculate about the call it's like all right it's like my number's unlisted first of all so it's not like a i guess it could be like a random phone call targeted prank or any or it wasn't a targeted prank it could have been a prank and just somebody randomly uh, dialing but and believed him you know left him wondering you know, was it really a misdial or was it something else? And he said, I don't claim it that it was a ghost, but it definitely was very odd. And it's not usual for people to report like strange experiences like this. And so he just kind of, you know, left it as is, you know, when you have like an experience like that, you're kind of second guessing yourself Mm -hmm. about what's going on. And, you know, you're not really, like, calling up Ghostbusters or anything like that. <laughs> it was 1988. Though. It was 1988. <laughs> you, you are correct. Close. Who Close. are you going to call? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> nobody. We're going to call nobody. Nobody. And we're we're going to forget about Coons. it. <laughs> we're going to forget about it the next day. Two days after that call, Dean visits his father at the local care facility. And because his father had recently been displaying, like, this aggressive behavior, and he had, like, ins- uh, assaulted another resident, so he punched him. Mm. And the staff was like, you need to come see about your dad. He's being violent. And unannounced to Dean at the time, his dad has secretly purchased a yellow-handled fish fishing knife. What? And had it modified to function as a switchblade. <laughs> what? So why couldn't he just buy a 
fucking switchblade. Because he's living That's in weird. assisted living. So he's, yeah. Uh, and so. Buy a fishing Sorry, go ahead. Probably. Questions I have no answers to. Sorry, these well, aren't these aren't the important questions of the story. <laughs> but I mean, there. I'm just like, saying. Sure. Ralph needs a Maybe like he's like, I'm going to go fishing. And so and I need, I a, need fish a fishing knife. knife. And yeah. And they were like, okay, we'll get you a fishing knife. There's a guy Not that's a like stationed plate. in the corner of the hallway at the assisted living facility that like has stuff in his jacket. He's just like, hey, what that's do you ex- need? What do yeah. you need? What do you need? That's exactly how it went down. So upon entering his dad's room, Dean was unexpectedly like confronted by his dad wielding this knife. <gasps> And a struggle ensued during oh my which God. Dean managed to avoid being slashed and successfully disarmed his father. Of course, the altercation attracted the attention of several witnesses, one of whom called the police. And in, you know, in, in, he went out and the police were coming in and he had the knife. And so they thought that Dean was, was, was his father. the one that they, you know, had been called about. And he Dean says, I suddenly realized that they were going to shoot me if I didn't drop the knife, uh, even though he's saying, no, it's not me. It's him. I was like, yeah, everybody says that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's like, I almost got myself killed due to this misunderstanding. The incident was resolved and the police eventually identified his dad as the dangerous party and they transported him to the psychiatric ward for observation. Oh, it's like the time I almost got Halidolled. Mm-hmm. Took my friend. Oh yeah, exactly. The mental health ward. Oh my gosh. The hospital. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Not me. It's her. Give oh, her the shot." <laughs> my God, how do you prove that? <laughs> no, it's her. Because anybody would be like, "No, no it's, it's not you. me. It's back you." In the chair, just like this. No. Oh my god. No, seriously, I just had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Y'all watch yourselves. Watch right? yourselves. Watch yourselves. Oh my god. Anyway, so this mysterious phone call like popped into his head after this incident and he believes it probably was a warning to prime him for the act um and be like vigilant that day and it could have like possibly saved his life like he was a little bit more aware of like you know watching out for mm-hmm. for danger and everything he actually wrote that scene into his 1993 novel Mr Murder oh where the protagonist Marty Stillwater experiences a very similar occurrence with you know the law enforcement so I mean, holy shit. I mean, what a story. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you being an author, you'd be like, oh, this is good. <laughs> everything and everything is, is fodder when Better you're Dean Koontz. You gotta, you gotta, like, you gotta pop that shit out. You know, That's it's like right. everything is usable. Every, and man, that is definitely. Sometimes real life, though, is better than fiction. Mm. There are stories that I have, and I'm like, did that really happen? Yes, it did. And people wouldn't even believe it. They would think, oh, yeah. You could be the fetched. next Dean Koontz. Oh, I guess uh, I should start my career right now. I, I think, think you should. should. <laughs> I'm bored with that. We want to go on the book tour, though. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. You're in. Okay. Awesome. You make my drinks, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, like, no. Who is kidding? You would be so pissed. You would. You'd be like, what's this shit? <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is Sapar. <laughs> <laughs> this is country time lemonade. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. I'm taking those whiskey sours. You're putting it down. Patrice. Nope. Ain't got no time for that. Oh, oh my God. Bring that lemon squeezer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Country time lemon. <laughs> I'm not against it for like eight year olds. Give it to them. With whiskey. <laughs> uh, yes, both. <laughs> give it to the eight year olds. Mm. Put the bottom stuff. Like, don't give them the top shelf. <laughs> it's wasted. 
Their palates are not sophisticated. Insert, dis- <laughs> insert disclaimer here. <laughs> Please do not give whiskey and country time lemonade to your children. If it happens on accident, though, tell us about it. <laughs> oh, my God. Or write a book about it, just like Dean Coons would do. <laughs> Enter another disclaimer here. <laughs> There's, oh, I didn't watch, but I read a little bit on um, this YouTube interview with psychologist uh, Dr. Callum Cooper. And it's on the New Thinking Aloud channel with Jeffrey Mishlove. And they were discussing the topic of phone calls from the dead. And Dr. Cooper is a lecturer of psychology at the University of uh, Northampton and has conducted research on death, bereavement, parapsychology, and other related subjects. And they were talking about this book called Phone Calls from the Dead that came out in 1979 by Scott Rogo and Raymond Bayless. And I looked it up on Amazon because like, oh, I'm going to read this because this is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That fucking book is like $288. I hate it when that happens. And I'm like, motherfucker. I know. Like things go out of print and then all of a sudden. Yes. <laughs> it's like, Pew! I mean, supply demand. I understand. Demand. But shit. Anyway, so there's a collection of about 50 cases that we will never know about. Yep. If you have this book, let us know. Just like, yeah. Just like somebody actually had the movie that I was. I know. (laughs) Somebody had the movie from uh, when I was talking about the the makeup, the cosmetics cult. And I was like, oh my God, somebody had Circle of Power, also known as Brainwashed. You're like my hero. Also, why did you have that? That's so random. It is random. But, you know, there you go. Thrift store. Uh, thrift store. You can also, if like, you're really interested in this and want to find scary stories of communications with the dead. Y'all, who am I talking to? I'm talking to y'all. Y'all already know. You already have the book. You Somebody out the there books. already has the book. Like, y'all know more than I do about this stuff. So you tell us right in. Yeah, man. Yeah. I support that. She I, looks at me like, hmm? no, I'm trying to remember the damn email address. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> stories at the strange south dot com. Yes. And, and then there's another oh. one. No, there's another one. And Shit. there's the strange Randy, south. The strange the strange south podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. I knew there was one at Gmail. You were correct. And they both come to us. But there's also stories at the strange south. Yeah. Whichever whichever one you can remember. Uh on Reddit though, there's the no sleep that has tons of these yes. stories that I love reading about. And so the interest of like the dead phoning home and developing communication devices to speak to the spirit world dates back, of course, to the invention of communication devices um, in period. You know, so Thomas Edison, who did not invent the telephone, but invented, you know, light bulbs. And also I forget he invented the um, phonograph and motion picture camera. Phonograph Mm. and motion picture. So anything, but you know, the age of electricity he was all up in it. He's like, oh. He's all up in the age of vacation. <laughs> he is. He's like, maybe we can speak to the dead with this stuff. And so this is called instrumental transcommunication, where you communicate with deceased people through instruments such as the radio and like Mothman. Remember the whole telephone mm. and the Mothman? What year was this? With Chapstick? Ed- yeah, that's from the movie. Sorry. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember that one. Chapstick. <laughs> I did say that. I know. That's Chapstick? What I- yeah. Oh, why, why was he saying chapstick? I can't remember. Chopstick. Oh, chapstick. <laughs> okay. I don't remember, but I swear to God, it's in the movie with Richard Gere. Something okay. about chapstick. So the Mothman needed chapstick? He really, mm. well, I mean, yeah. Chapstick. Yep, exactly. That was chapstick. the problem. 
But what year was uh, Edison's all these inventions? Is this around spiritualism? Tom? Probably, okay. yeah, probably. It sounds like so the the paranormal investigators they mm-hmm. still use like those e- That's what like I'm yeah, about. okay. So they have spirit boxes. It's like all the rage in the paranormal shows where they're trying to do the EVPs, mm-hmm. the electronic EVPs. voice um, phenomenon, and so. Dr. Cooper and uh, Jeffrey Mishla was talking about this, and they wrote a book together called Paraacoustics, Sound and the Paranormal. But they suggest, and it's really interesting that they suggest this, that, you know, um, the group, which is kind of like a big duh, the group, you know, suggestion plays a huge role of how people perceive uh, or whether the people perceive EP. Uh, EVPs as genuine so it's like yeah so if you're like if you're hunting for ghosts everything that you see is gonna be a ghost yeah if you're listening for a ghost everything you're going to hear is gonna be a ghost and if and, you're not and it's if not you, and it's not so it, it goes back to dean coots who received a phone call wasn't thinking ghosts like oh that kind of sounds like my mom that was weird private number okay weird hangs up didn't think about it again until like the episode with his dad mm-hmm uh, so they're they're like saying, yeah, you know, if you're looking for ghosts, you're going to see ghosts. If you're listening for ghosts, you're going to see ghosts. But they have a copy of this very expensive book, and they have read it. <laughs> and he said that uh, Scott Rogo. Stop. What Sorry. you didn't hear her? What did she say? <laughs> No. <laughs> no, this is because I can't hear. <laughs> so if a ghost was speaking in my ear, I would be like, <laughs> it's like insect. But I didn't even hear that. <laughs> so, like that. <laughs> That's an EVP, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> Sorry. I like make, make I'm just gonna sit here that finish. just gives her a second to have some of her drink mm-hmm. my drink been gone for a minute now I'll just finish that so Dr. Cooper read the book and he said that there are four different types of phone calls from the dead which I kind of call There's bullshit because only. I think one of them is really, like a telemarketing phone call. <laughs> <laughs> There's five types of phone we calls. Would, and actually, we would like you to invest in Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> and Shit, really, I got that text today. <laughs> what about ghost texts instead of phone calls? You okay, sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Okay, there's four. We're going to throw her up. Stop, let her. There's, there's four. Okay. <laughs> All right. So there's the simple call. These are brief calls where you hear the voice of the deceased, but there's no conversation beyond that. There's prolonged calls, and in this instance, there is a lengthy conversation with the deceased, and the conversation may seem normal until later um, you realize that the person has already passed away. So, like, like, it seems normal until you remember this person's been dead dead for a while. (laughs) Either that, like, they call, and you realize, like, you know, you get you find out later that they had been dead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Time. Okay, that makes so sense. So it's like yeah, the doppelganger. You, kind yeah, yeah. Of call. You talk to them, and then they're like, "No, she died at yeah. two a.m." And you're like, "But I talked to her at eight, mm-hmm. right?" And this doesn't necessarily. I don't know why this is grouped. These other two are grouped. Them. This is the answered call. This occurs when somebody you know is verified to be elsewhere, but still answers the call and engages in conversation. Later, it becomes apparent that it could have been. It could not have possibly been them be- to answer the phone. So it's kind of like, you know, but that's you, not a ghost, though. You throw the phone at the bottom of the sea <laughs> and then at that time, you know, have a conversation. And they're like, no, my phone's at the bottom of the sea. 
And so you were talking to a mermaid. What what year was this? What year was this? Is this before cell phones when this book was written? Probably. Probably. Yeah. And that's yeah. why. Because we can't be like, everywhere well, with our phone like when we didn't home, have cell phones. But it's like, I mean, everybody has their phone like, mm -hmm. attached to their hip. Mm -hmm. And then there's the intention call, which I didn't know was a thing. And these are calls where you intend to make the call, but you change your mind at the last minute. Yet the person you intended to call still answers a phone. Weird. And you called and they said, I talked to you. Mm -hmm. But, in, in you but in, you're not dead. But you're not dead. But you <laughs> intended to call them. But you didn't so actually you dial. But you didn't actually dial. So these aren't just dead people. These aren't just dead people. Ghosts. This is no. spirit. This is spirit. spirit but not calls. necessarily dead spirits. Got it. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Mishlow intentions. shared a personal experience that he had that he considers a phone call from the dead. One of, uh, I don't know if it was his colleague, but there was a woman named Elizabeth Targ, who was a, um, a psychical, 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 psychical. Does that make sense? That sounds right. Yeah. Psychical researcher. And he learned um, that many people were experiencing communications from her, including her father, um, Russ Targ, who was a parapsychologist. And, Mishlove had a dream where he spoke to Elizabeth about her communications, and at that moment, he was awakened by a phone call with white noise on the line, and the timing and the content of the dream and the phone calls made him think that this could possibly be her. And I read about how she, how they think that she contacted her dad. It's like after she died, uh, they were sitting, uh, she had died at her father's home, and they were sitting there on the balcony with a bunch of friends. And then the lights just like went on and off, on and off. And they've never done that before. And after a while, they went on, off and on, off again. And, hmm. um, and so her father believes that that was Elizabeth talking to him. And he's, uh, Dr. Cooper adds that there's similar stories where individuals have dreamed uh, talking to somebody. And sometimes it's usually like a white staircase is involved or a white room. And there's a white telephone on a pedestal. And they pick up the phone and they have a conversation in their dream with their deceased loved ones. And he's wondering, like, maybe is the dream a construct uh, and, and includes the telephone, suggesting that perhaps the distant voice on the phone feels more recognizable and more meaningful than a face-to-face -face encounter. Hmm. It's making me think of Harry Potter. Oh, my God. I thought exactly that. I was like, does this happen station. in Harry Potter? When everything's white and, and then just like that weird, creepy like, Voldemort's yeah. curled up under a bench. Oh yeah, yeah that was when weird. Sees, uh, when he sees um, yeah. Dumbledore, but that that kind of makes Almost me wonder. My wizard's confused. Gandalf. All right, and okay, yeah, absolutely. So white weird staircase staircase and pedestal like, but you know we text tunnel, right and the white light mm -hmm. and all that seems to fit too it does to but then they also yeah. mention like okay so in the dreams that this is happening uh could it not just be like an alarm or the ring of your phone that actually wakes you up or that you're hearing subconsciously that makes you think that it's going to be a phone call and actually you know that happening so they mm -hmm. they say that that could be a possibility all right so just a couple of short stories to end with and again nothing from the south 
actually, are I, from anywhere. This is from yeah. Anywhere. I, yeah. I would this imagine that there are yeah, there are plenty of stories is, from like southern people having this. Oh yeah, I swore to God, one of y'all told me a story like this. I did. Oh, we'll talk about it later. yeah. Okay, I was go just ahead. Gonna say the dream thing for me is pretty pretty real, but I'll save mm. it for later too. Yeah. Okay. So talking to people who are gone. Mm-hmm. So a woman named Crystal shared a story. She said she was at her mom's house and she called a friend who lived nearby. She was at her cousin's house. So she looked up the number in the phone book and she knew that they were the only Owens in the phone book. And she knew that it was her friend's cousin's number because they were the only Owens in the phone book. So she dialed the number and she said it didn't even ring, but an old lady answered. And she said, hello? And Crystal said, is Emily there? And Emily is the friend of Jessica's cousin. Okay, there's a lot of names going on. <laughs> so the old lady says, no, my dear, Emily isn't here. Um, I should be expecting her any moment now. So I thought nothing of it and hung up. So I told Jessica about it. And she said, Emily's grandmother is dead. And we were there all day long. We were just sitting right there by the phone and it never rang at all. Mm. And that's the end of the story. And I was like, well, mm. what does Granny mean by expecting I should her. be expecting yeah, no her minute. minute? That's freaky, but it doesn't say anymore. So no. we will never know. Bless you, Emily. I'm sorry, Emily. <laughs> all right. There's a salesperson named Mary and she remembers she made a cell call to Pennsylvania and it started like any of her call. Here's your telemarketers, right? <laughs> Telemarketer ghost call. She's like, I need to speak to Mr. or Mrs. Box. <laughs> and the woman identified herself as Mrs. Box. And she's like, I continued with my normal spill. She seemed very interested and asked a lot of questions. But when the de- time it came to make decisions, she quickly stopped me and insisted that I talk to her husband. Her objections were the same every time I attempted to close. She was quickly, she quickly pointed out that since his retirement, he spent a great deal of time fishing and was not easy to get in touch with. And it would be best if you tried early in the morning before he left for his favorite hobby. Before fishing? So like at four in the morning? Yeah. (laughs) Right? Oh, my God. Yes. So on the call back, the husband did answer and I introduced myself in normal fashion, explained that I'd been talking to his wife the previous day and she suggested that I speak directly to him. And he said, lady, I don't know who you were talking to, but my wife died and I am not in any mood to speak to anyone. And oh. with that, he hung up on her. Oh, damn. And then there's contact from beyond the grave, which comes in the form of emails and social media. So people who have passed obviously are not limited to phone calls um, in this modern age. They often use email and social media Sites such as Facebook to contact uh. their loved ones. For instance, there's a tale of this guy named Jack who passed away unexpectedly in 2011 from heart arrhythmia, only to contact his friends through email approximately six months later. Jack's friends reported emails sent from his account that actually detailed um, some of their last conversations. So it wasn't just like, you know, kind of benign emails, Mm -hmm. vague emails. It wasn't a... uh... No, not in 2011. <laughs> not in 2011, or maybe, maybe Jack from the future. Yeah, exactly. So one of his friends, friends, trends. One of his friends tried to explain, um, or try to reply, but never like got a response back. So people claimed that their deceased friends, 
um, have liked their post on Facebook many times and have sent them messages from beyond. Mm. That's a little more hacker to me. Yeah. It definitely, yeah. That or just somebody really being like, mean. Yeah, that mm-hmm. doesn't really lend itself to ghosts to me as much as the others do. But okay. still, it's unsettling if you're mm-hmm. like the person receiving it. Oh, I it. would freak oh, out. Yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an interesting topic. It would make me mad, though. I'd be like, who's yeah, you'd yeah, like pretty quickly like, flip yeah. to angry. Yeah. yeah. Track them down and yeah. find their Who's IP address. Mm-hmm. You sick. So, interesting topic. This is something that I was thinking about. Um, this weekend, I went to my grandparents' place and they are deceased, and I slept in the same room with my grandparents and my uncle's ashes. And I kept really expecting to see something and or feel something. I mean, I was looking to. And anytime that I kind of got freaked out, it's because I saw like the corner of my hair or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I slept so well, and I didn't yes. dream any. And it was it was like it was like a very comforting feeling. So I know you know. Let us know if any of you have any like contact through mm-hmm. the phone with your departed loved ones. We would love to hear stories about that. And that's all I have for episode 137. Oh, good thank you. stories. Yes, good job. Thank y'all. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.